Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. You know, the scripture tells us that Jesus himself, when he rose from the dead, declared to mankind, I have all authority, not just some, all authority. And then he said, I have the keys to both heaven and hell. The devil has been defeated. And then he began to delegate something called authority to you. And he said to you as a believer, he says, whatever you bind on the earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Somebody say, I have authority. authority. You have authority to bind things. Whatever you loose on the earth, he says, then I will loose it in heaven. Somebody say it again, I have authority. authority. See, folks, it's just a matter of believing God and then exercising the authority. Here's how the scripture says it. It doesn't say it exactly like this. I paraphrase by saying it like this. In the book of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples you need to go up to a place that you and I refer to as the upper room. And he says, now you need to be endued with some power. So what he's doing in that situation and what he's doing today is that he's empowering his people. We say that in the Greek by using the word dunamis. God has given you dunamis. Somebody say it again, I have authority. And he, you don't have just authority that you, you can't back it up. You can back it up. You can back it up. You have someone to back it up for you, literally. It's like the example I like to use sometimes when I said, most of us are familiar with that highway out there called Route 29. And if I were dressed in a uniform, police uniform, and I went out in the middle of Route 29 and did this, what do you think would happen with the vehicles that are moving at 55, 60, 70 miles an hour? What would they do? Is it because I'm strong enough to stop that car? But it's because I have what? Authority. It's not that you are so great, but you serve a great God. Great is the Lord. And that's why he's greatly to be praised. Somebody shout again, I have authority. You have authority. The enemy may come in, but Bible says, if the enemy comes like a flood, God gave you the authority. God gave you authority. You authority to say to it, stop in the name of Jesus. See, we want that to be known from our children to our adults. You have authority, but you got to exercise it. And so why did God give you this, you name us, this dynamite power? We come up with another Greek word, and it's exousia. Exousia. So he's giving you dynamis so that you can exercise exousia, which simply means authority. That when you say stop, or when you say to the mountain, be thou removed, it has to do what? Obey. 
When you declare that by his stripes I'm healed, what does your body have to do? Respond. He doesn't say that attacks won't come because they will. Sometimes it looks like it's coming from every side. But God says, you can say in the midst of that storm, peace, be still, and then know that he is God. You have, say it again, I have authority. Church, exercise your authority. See, sometimes we have not because we ask not. And then on other occasions, the Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. I've seen so many people, even in the natural, benefits that they have, they don't know about it. And therefore, they never, ever reap what's already been sown on their behalf. So why did Jesus come? He said he came that you and I might have what? Life. And that we might have it what? More abundantly. And folks, do not deceive yourself. There are many people that are not living in abundance. And this has nothing to do with money. I'm talking about abundance. And that abundance of peace, that abundance of joy, that abundance of knowing that no matter whatever state I'm in, therein I can learn how to be content because my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm confident because I have a champion. Somebody say it again, he's my champion. Say it again. He's my champion. Who are we talking about? Jesus. But it's not that we've got our, our, our trust and our confidence in a government. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar, he says. But make sure you give unto God what's God. Where is my confidence? Where is my hope? Where is my trust? It's in him. In him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. And what, I am, what am I going to be? Everything Jesus said I could be. What am I going to do? Everything that Jesus said I could do. What am I going to have? Everything that Jesus said I can have. Why? Because obedience. And obedience is better than the sacrifice. only sacrifice that God wants you and I to bring is the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. He's not asking you to lay anything down but your life in trusting him. Somebody lift your hand and say, I trust him. Old school song, guys. But I just believe we need to sing it. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we all 
what you do and the Bible says you offer yourself now as this living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God this is our reasonable service God says you can't move mountains but I can and in me you can do all things now so what do I want from you what does God Require, Oh, man, what is God requiring of you and I? To do justly? To love mercy? And then to just to do what? Walk humbly before our God. And so what do we bring? We bring to him the sacrifice. That's our living sacrifice. It's to worship. To worship him in spirit and to worship him in truth. That's the type of person that God's looking for this morning. See, if you think you know it, if you think you can work it, if you think you've got it all figured out, God says, then I'm just going to sit back and let you see. You know that expression, the bigger they come? The higher you think you can go, the harder it is going to be when you drop, because you will fall. But who will be your glory and the lifter of your head? Who will sustain you and maintain you? Who will help you when you know no other way? And he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I know you've been standing for a while. Please be seated. I guess assume that when I'm standing, it's okay when you're standing. But there's a different position when you're standing is because I'm in motion and I'm moving and... Um, there's just this fluidity that happens when you are the presenter and it's a whole different dynamic when you are, as it were, the receiver and the listener. So I apologize for perhaps having you stand too long. But at the same time, I want you to know that our God is truly able. And there are people who you are going through some things, and I know you're going through some things, and we empathize with that. But do you realize that there are times when man has no idea of what to do? There's a time in the Bible where the king would say to the people, we don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but God, our eyes are on you. There are times where you try to help people with everything that you humanly know is possible, and sometimes you know that's not even enough. And where do you have to look to? The Bible says, then I look to the hills from where my help comes from. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And this is why it's so important for those who are here physically, those who are viewing us via various live stream platforms. Everybody needs to know Jesus. Everybody needs to know Jesus. You cannot navigate life without him. I believe genuinely, sincerely, that most people that I've ever come in contact with 
when you ask them about the subject matter of heaven, they will tell you, I want to go to heaven. And then I follow up with questions like, well, how do you plan to get there? So that I can take them to scriptures that the Bible shows us uh, no one can come to the Father except through his Son. Who is the Son of God? Jesus. So what is my role and what is our function here on this earth? For, my, for me, it is just to lift that name Jesus. For you and I is to know that name Jesus. And when there is no other name that you can call, when there is no other place that you can go, when there is nothing that you know to do, you can know this. God is able. And that he is with you. How many of you know people leave you? Sometimes by death. Sometimes they just simply walk away. But how many of you know Jesus? He says, I'm here. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Lo, I will be with you even until what? The end of this age. And when the end of this age comes, he says, then you and I will be enjoying what? A new heaven and a new earth. I'm with you forever. This is what salvation is about. It's eternal life that God is speaking to you. He's trying to let us know, if you put, as it were, everything and your trust in the things that you see, these things are temporal. They're going to pass away. What you're sitting on right now, it's temporary. It'll pass away. What you're wearing, it's temporary. It's going to pass away. What you drove or what you might be driving, it's temporary. It's going to pass away. What you're living in, the house or the residence that you reside in, that'll pass away. But what will not pass away is the Word of God. And this is what God did when he loved us and showed us and was attempting to show us how much. He says, and the Word became flesh, dwell among us. So you had the Son of God come and live on the earth, and I believe in part to begin to help you and I to realize this is not an impossible life to live. Because I know when you talk about and you hear about, and most of us have never seen a giant, self-included, but so when we read about things like that, we tend to want to think it's fictional, but it's not. You know, even if you just go back to uh, the archaeological finds that have been found, you know, we know that there were massive uh, animals that lived on the earth. Can you imagine that you had to stop, just stop signing, you had to wait for the dinosaur to cross? <laughs> Can you imagine if the dinosaur just decided to run through your neighborhood, what our neighborhoods would have looked like? So God, through progression of time, has helped us to see that many of these things that you and I look in the Bible and say, that was it, that, that's impossible because I've never seen it. Do you know that Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it been perceived in the mind of man what God has in store for us. It's very important for you to realize that everything that we believe on is not based on what I see. I walk by what? Faith, not by sight. I've never seen my brain. Can you imagine? I have never seen my brain. I've never seen my heart. But you can never convince me that I don't have a brain. You can't convince me that I don't have a heart, and I've never seen God. 
but I believe that he is. And this is where your faith starts. You remember what Hebrews 11, 6, it says, uh, you first must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of those who are diligently seeking him. You have to believe that he is. He is not fiction. He is not somebody's fairy tale. He is not something that someone made up. Come on. Folks, it doesn't take rocket science to tell, tell me that I did not evolve from an ape. If evolution was really true, do you know, not know that after all these years we would likely still be what? Evolving. I've been to the zoo and I've seen a lot of them. They are not evolving. They may have some level of intelligence, but they are not evolving to your level. It doesn't take rocket science for me to, 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 to dismiss the fact that, okay, it was some amoeba. A big blast happened. And boom. Here's all of us now. All nations, all kindreds, all tongues, all language coming from a big blast. You really have to stretch over into SOS, stuck on stupid, to stay there. But what is it that God is trying to show you? Yes, the earth was void. The earth was without form. And God, who has always existed, brought into existence mankind. And we were created by God. We were created for God. And we are created, the Bible says, literally to worship him. Because I love the fact, and my message today, and which I'm trying to get into a transition point here, is about childlike faith. When your children see you, and you begin to explain to them that you're mom, or that you're dad, they just, when they start seeing you, when they start communicating with you, what are they calling you? You know, they have those little names like Mama or Dada, and then they get some vocabulary and they start calling you what? Mom or Dad or Father or Pop Pop or whatever, all these little names that we have today. But they genuinely and affectionately know that they belong to you. How many of you know you belong to Jesus? You belong to him. This is why even the son of God, when he was on the cross, you, you remember what he said? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. He knew who his father was. We need to know who our father, our heavenly father is. Your earthly father, yes. But your heavenly father, folks, it's so important that everyone know their earthly father, their heavenly father. The heavenly father. Our Father, which art in heaven, we need to what? Hallow his great name. And understand that he has provided all of our need and he will continue to supply those needs according to his riches and glory. My Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This has been a tremendously blessed week, but it's also been a tremendously challenging week. 
There was something that I wrote in my Bible on last Saturday, and I heard it just as clear as I'm hearing my voice right now. And the Lord spoke to me about a transition that a person would be making, and he said to me, it will be Monday. I wrote it down. I was sitting right there. I just wrote it down, put it in my Bible, and that Monday transition happened. But I, I, and, and I'm saying this to just kind of inform you, there are a lot of things that are happening, and, and they touch our heart, and they, sometimes as we would say it breaks our heart, and we, we sorrow. But we don't sorrow like the world sorrows. And that news, that first breaking news was concerning uh, a sister that was here for many years as an elder in our church. Her name is Jessica Dyson, who transitioned and went home with the Lord. Um, very early Monday morning as we got that notification. But I like the fact that God tells you things before they actually happen. And I'm, and I, and I, this is why I try to encourage you all that prayer is so important for your life because I don't think I could have heard that had I not been in prayer. But I was in prayer. And then we would go back into my office and lo and behold there would be a call you know, you know how you get the little log. I didn't, I didn't answer the phone because I was in here. My phone was in my office. But there would be that number that had been called. And I asked Miss Pat, I said, would you give a call? Because I was in transition and now to another meeting. And um, there was no answer there. We called on at least three occasions, still didn't get an answer. But do you understand that God was already saying, I know the time. How many of you know God knows the time for your life as well? I'm thankful that as a pastor I can get quiet enough, and I'm praying that you will understand that as a member of the body of Christ, you can get quiet enough to hear God too. But then there are those times where, let me say, say it caught you by surprise. There are things where it does catch me by surprise. And before the day would conclude, there would be another notification of someone who had transitioned from life. Her name was Ruth Corinda. And Ruth went home would be with the Lord in the afternoon, near the evening hour. And that one was a particularly a little tough because I'm asking myself, and you don't beat yourself up, but you do need to ask God questions. How did I miss this one, God? How could I know one and not know the second one? See, folks, this is why a man ought to always pray. You really need to keep yourself in a prayer mood. And God says, you were in a work mood on Monday. And I was. I was busily helping do some things with the, uh, the pantry, and God says, you were in a work mood, and uh, I, I'm, I, I'm the same. You were, you, that, that mode that you were in on Monday didn't allow you to really just kind of tune in and just, uh, but I'll show you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I mean, you can recognize when you miss God. I mean, where you miss what God is trying to show you, what you when you miss what God is trying to reveal to you. And that's why it's so important for us to get everything in its proper priority and don't just become overzealous in doing one particular thing. Make sure you have an order and a structure to your life that lets God speak to you on a daily basis. Because sometimes what we mean to do, we don't do. And that was one Monday where so much stuff was happening that Monday. I was just working, working, working. And I didn't get to this place that I normally get to every morning called the altar. 
pray, you know, you pray in your car, you pray when you get up, but I have a habit of coming to this altar and praying, and I find that God alters my life. And so that was hard in itself, but what was much harder was the fact that Ruth has a 17-year-old son named Chaka, and they had just put Chaka on the plane in Uganda in route back home. And so it's un, we're unable to contact him while he's in country. He's on a plane. His mom has gone home to be with the Lord. And so uh, working, as it were now, two dynamics, uh, the funeral and funeral, all the administrivia, I call it, of working with the Dyson family. Uh, I had to go one way. Miss Pat went one way. She went to the airport to help pick up Chaka and to make sure that we could, how do you say, break the news to him, disclose this information to him. Folks, uh, please pray for us. The things that we go through during the day, you couldn't imagine. And on top of this, I'm going to say this. Um, I know when you say he hasn't started preaching yet, has he? No, I'm just really trying to get you to do some things. In April, we did this thing called exit strategy. Do you have an exit strategy? Are things in place? Do we as a church have enough contacts to be able to be a liaison for you? Uh, most of the Ruth family are in Uganda. And so here we are. And a person has now died in the hospital saying, next of kin, who do we contact? So what I'm saying to you is because I'm going to have Mr. Neese send out a, an email to every member of the church and saying, please update this information for us. And I thank God my wife was relentless. Folks, we even had to call to Kampala, Uganda and reach out to a friend so that we can reach back and be able to get in contact with family. Folks, how many of you know that's like a needle in a haystack? You're calling to a nation and a person saying perhaps you would know this family because we need to contact her family to let them know she is no longer on this earth. Folks, we're family. Say, say it, we're family. We need this information, not just to have information on you. But there are days and times like this. Some of you, you are from another state. You, you have migrated here to Washington, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia, but your family lives in another state, and if something were to happen to you, I would like to be able, as a pastor, to reach out on your behalf and talk to your family so that they don't get it. Folks, nobody should get this kind of news on no Facebook. Nobody should get this kind of news on Instagram or some type of, uh, 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 of non-caring platform. So, yes, I'm taking a little time because it's really important. 
that you sit down with myself and, and you know, Sister Benita happened was here a few uh, uh, Sundays ago, and, and Benita, if you're watching, uh, we need to do this in the month of October. You say, Pastor, you're putting out, because I want you to start getting your stuff together. Then I want you to bring what you have together, and if it's not together, we want to be able to show you, here are some of the other things that you probably need to do. You need to have points of contact. You really need to have some kind of life insurance. How many of you know too many of us leave a burden for our family and not a blessing? And the Bible says you are supposed to leave an inheritance for your children and your children's children. And, 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 and whatever the devil has been telling you that you can't afford, you will be surprised that you can. Folks, most of you can do this if you just cut out your 7-Eleven coffee. That's me. Most of you are Starbucks people. And I know if you do Starbucks, you can do this. But it costs. And especially when you're out of country and your family's saying, we'd like to have uh, the body shipped back to this country. Let me tell you, when I sat down and I got a funeral director and we were talking to the airlines, he says, oh, from here to uh, Uganda, that's $8,000. But we're not talking anything else other than shipment. I'm not talking embalming. I'm not talking, I, I, I don't want to make this a business meeting, but I, I want you to know this is business that needs to be taken care of in the house of God. And it is not fair, it is never ever going to be fair or right for you to say, well, what is the church going to do? Do you know that it is not the church's financial responsibility to bury you? I know some of y'all ain't going to like me. But I'm just going to tell you the truth. It's not the church's responsibility to bury you. Let's get a house in order. There's a book, and you know what? I, I'll pay for it, a, a copy for every one of you. It's called The Exit Strategy. And I want you to, every one of you, to have a copy of it because it'll walk you through things that you need to do now while you're living. Things that perhaps you need to talk to your parents about if they're still living because they may not have it together either. But you should not leave a burden. You should leave a blessing. You should leave a blessing. So these are hard things to talk about. Granted, I'm not telling you you need to have a daily conversation on this. But you must take a day and properly put things in order. And I will help you. I will come alongside of you as much as possible. But I'm telling you it's hard when you don't. And it gets dropped on my desk. And we're working frantically. This has been, as you would call, a seven-day-a-week week for me. Most of them are. Most of them are from this past. But this was exceptionally hard. And trying to now help facilitate the stability of a young 17-year-old. Trying to facilitate, trying to get a, a, a deceased back to the country of Uganda. That's tough. 
needs your help. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and I'm, I don't do this often, but it, only because this is a 17-year-old, and only because there, there's just a, not a lot of family here. I, I want to receive tithes and offering at this moment, and I'm going to ask you to help the Corinda family this morning. You say, well, you just said it's not the responsibility of the church. But there is something called compassion. There is something called compassion. There are some times when, when, when God is asking you, what will you do now? Remember, Jesus at one point, he's sitting there, and there's this woman who's asking Jesus for some food. And you remember Jesus said, it's not fair for us to give food from the table to, and, and he spoke of her in the way that I think society had seen her as not being worthy. And you remember how she responded to Jesus? He said, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that will fall on the master, from the master's table. And I believe that Jesus was allowing his followers and his disciples to say, you know, this is how you all view people. But it's not how I view people. And when you view people, and you know, it's one thing to say, to have said to Ruthie, I love you. It's a whole another thing when action is required. I mean, you know, love is a choice. And in all love that I have ever experienced, there's some action that goes along with that love. And so I'm asking you to be very active today. Yes, give tithe. And I won't spend a whole lot of you know what tithe is. Tithe, the Bible clearly says that's a tenth of everything that God has blessed you with. So in your offering envelope today, there's a, a section in there for tithes. There's a section in there for offering. Everything that you get for an offering, we want to do. Now, this is how I, I, I like to do things so that you're not inuring a benefit to an individual. Our focus is to be able to, uh, the, the funeral home that's handling this affair now or handling this shipment is called Ronald Taylor's Funeral Home. We want to write one check to the funeral home so that we can help defer that cost. I'm not writing this check to an individual. I'm not trying to put money in someone's pocket, but I am certainly trying to help with decreasing that cost of what it's going to take to move her from Maryland to Uganda and she has a sister who is having some physical challenges. Yes, she lives in Hampton. The others live on the west coast in California and she has a, I believe, an elderly mother still living. Um, and so we are going to just try to help as much as we can. She says, well, is there, there are other family members. There are just not a lot of family members. Ruth was married at one time, but she was divorced from that union. And so uh, you, you don't necessarily or can't necessarily look there. So where do I look? I'm looking to you as brothers and sisters in the Lord. You understand where pastor is coming from this morning? Please be prepared when we get to October to go back through the exit strategy. This is when I want to put a book in your hand. But I'm saying to you, don't, don't put that off to October that that's when you're going to do something. I need you to start getting your affairs in order and be able to allow us to say, um, this is good. And some of you, you have policies that really you should drop because they are decreasing. They are going to be of no value in a few years, and you probably need another investment tool rather than the one that, how many of you know you get policies and some of you never look at them for decades? You have no idea what they say. You have no idea of the fine print in there. 
And we want to help you to get through some of that type of thing as well. So it won't be just pastors, as it were, preaching to you. It'll, it'll be, as we would say, experts in that area. I want you to talk to people who run mortuary affairs so that you can understand how costly it is. I want you to re meet people who, uh, you know, because when you talk about a funeral, you have this mortuary side, you have this interment side, and those are two separate costs, and they are both very costly. And so we want you to understand that. We want you to understand some legal things that perhaps you should be doing now. So, yes, I want to have a lawyer in here. I want to have insurance people in here. I want to have mortuary affairs in here. I want you to be able to ask the questions that you need to ask. I am not trying to promote somebody's business. I'm not trying to generate some income for these businesses. I'm trying to give you, the Bible says, my people perish for what? Like I'm not. I'm trying to get knowledge to you. Amen? So I'm going to stop. Father, we just thank you. I thank you for the hearts of your people. I thank you for the love that they show one toward another and toward you, God. And so we bring our tithes, we bring our offerings into your storehouse. We remember our sister Ruth Corinda, and we remember this young, tall, handsome young man that she called Chaka. And we do pray now, Father God, that you will help us to continue to be a help and an influence in their lives and that we see your kingdom come and your will be done. And Father, we thank you for being able to come alongside this family and help strengthen their hand during a time like this. We pray for their peace. We pray for their comfort. But Lord, more than anything, we pray that you would be glorified in what we are about to do and your kingdom come, your will be done here on this earth just like it is in heaven. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And I'm going to ask the ushers if you'll come on and just there, and we'll, we'll ask the people to uh, come as you are ready to give in that area. Again, everything that you're giving and offering, we will be making it payable to uh, that uh, funeral director, that funeral home, so that we can help them to defer that cost. Amen? What was that question, Ms. Fadd? I'm sorry. Ms. Fadd is saying, make sure that you write yes. We want you to write your check to Rainbow Family Christian Center. The church, uh, from its uh, account, will write one check to where it needs to be allocated. Amen? Amen. So I want you to come. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, where is Chaka then? Where is he now that he came back? He had friends, or, or not friends, but relatives who lived in Cleveland, Ohio, who drove down, who spent time with him, and uh, then they were able to drive him to Cleveland. This is a temporary thing to do. And uh, so things are still, as you would say, fluid and still being worked out. But he is well, but he is in Cleveland, Ohio at this moment. Amen? Why don't you come?
are here in person giving. Those of you who are online, I didn't address them, and thank you, Tanya and, and Kyle, for helping me to remind those who are giving online, please just simply write that in, uh, just simply in your PayPal through PayPal, or if you go to the church's website and you're giving through that electronic platform, just simply write in that you're donating or giving or sowing toward uh, the Corinda family, K-I-R-I-N-D-A, K-I-R-I-N-D-A. So just put Corinda family in that amount that you are designating, and we will make sure that that goes directly there. Thank you so much, you ushers and young ushers that are with us, uh, Elijah and uh, Matthew, God bless you. Amen. Ezekiel says don't leave him out either, huh? <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> All right, where's my big brother going, huh? Hallelujah. Well, I want to do this because, uh, you know, last week the Lord spit an impression in my heart that we should lay hands on our children. This is the week and then the following week that so many of our children are going back to school or into environments for what we call in-person learning. There are a lot of raised concerns about their welfare and their safety, but I believe that the safety that God gives us is greater than any safety that we can have. Now, I am certainly a proponent of wearing a mask. I'm certainly a proponent of getting a vaccination. I am certainly a proponent of doing all of those things that you do in the natural, but I am a greater proponent of doing that which I know from the B-I-B-L-E, and that is that we should lay hands on our children and uh, um, the Bible says um, God will surround us with favor like a shield. And I believe that. And I believe I heard God very clearly last week in preaching this, that message that we need to come as little children and begin to understand what he was trying to show, show us in the Bible concerning little children. I'd like to start by telling you, how many of you know where uh, Darlington, Maryland is? You ever heard of Darlington, Maryland? There's a few of you. It's, it's kind of north west of this area, I think of probably about 32 miles uh, southwest of uh, uh, Baltimore. Uh, some of you know Harvard of Grace and Rising Sun. And then you, uh, I, what is that called? Harford County, uh, Maryland. And so there's this township called Darlington, Maryland. And it's so not, not so much about Darlington. I just wanted you to know that it is a real city. And this is a true story. There's a mom who has eight children in that particular city. And she goes out, and she leaves the kids there, and then she have older ones, old enough to, as we would say, baby watch or care for the smaller ones. But eight children are in this household, and she goes out grocery shopping, and she comes back from grocery shopping, and um, it's unusual. And those of you who come from large families, the unusual thing is that if you come into the house and it's quiet. <laughs> and so she came into the house, eight children, and it's real quiet. And so she sat, 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 sat her grocery down on the counter, and she goes in, and then she notices that five of her children are in the living room, in a circle, and there's something in the middle that they're all kind of focused on. And she comes in, and she realizes that these five children have five baby skunks. And of course, when she sees what's in the middle in this circle, 
As a mother, she starts to scream, and she says to her children, run, run, run. Each child picks up a skunk <laughs> and starts to run in five different directions. And mother is still screaming, run. And the more she screams, the more they squeeze. <laughs> and how many of you realize that skunks don't like to be squeezed? <laughs> so, Pastor, why tell us a story like that? Sometimes I wonder if Jesus didn't feel a bit frustrated like this mother in dealing with his disciples, and perhaps even dealing with us as his children, that the more he's trying to, as it were, inform us of what we need to stay clear of, we are clinging more tightly to it and perhaps stinking up the whole joint. It's kind of like what I feel when I'm, I'm around people that I don't always like to tell people some of the, the as I don't know if I can call them sensations. They are dysfunctions that I get from God. And there are some people, you are unequally yoked with people that you have no business trying to hang out with. But the more that someone tells you this, the more you squeeze on to it. The more you determine that, well, I'm just going to do it my way, and God is trying to show you, you know, I, I really need you to come like a little child, and in this little child incident, perhaps uh, that's something that they now will learn for the rest of their lives. How many of you realize you can't play around with skunks? And, 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 and you know I like to use this scripture quite a bit. It's from the, uh, the book of Proverbs, but it talks about us when God has brought us out. Somebody, if God has brought you out, I want you to lift your hand and say, God, thank you for bringing me out. Come on, I need everybody focusing in this morning. I need everybody from my sound booth to my ushers and my greeters. I need you to focus in this morning. There's something God wants you to do. If God has brought you out, I, I want you to know he brought you out for a reason. But like this scripture says, if God has brought you out and you return back to what he brought you out, he said, it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. Now that is a gross scripture when I read it because I just get a visual of that. I've seen dogs who ate the wrong thing and, and, and they start to throw up. Yes, I'm painting a picture for you this morning. But I want you to know that's heaven's picture. That's heaven's picture when you get back. That's heaven's picture when you're unequally yoked. That's heaven's picture when it says, you're not understanding. I need you to come as a little child. Don't think you've gotten so grown. Don't think you've gotten so, as it were, through the ages that you can just do it your way now. The Bible says, lean not unto your own understanding, but do what? Acknowledge God. In all your ways, and he will direct your path. Before this day is over with, some of you got to come out. You're back in darkness, and God is trying to get you out of that darkness over into his marvelous light. God is trying to get you to understand that bad company 
will corrupt your good behavior. This is my emphasis for the children today. I want them to be able to go back into a school environment, but I want them to be able to go as representatives of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. I want our children to know that God loves them and that everything that God is doing for them is for their best and to cause them to, as it were, to produce their best. And they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. But when God is trying to let, get you to let go of something and you won't let go, you're going to stink up the whole joint. You're going to be those kids that ran out with the skunks rather than running away from the skunks and clutching and squeezing. I want you to lose that image today because we're talking about childlike faith and God doesn't want you to be childish but he wants you to be childlike Matthew chapter 18 is where I like for you to kind of part this morning with me I will go through several other scriptures but Matthew 18 will be where we will build this scripture from amen so in Matthew chapter 18 it says and I'm just going to read verse 1 about that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is great in the kingdom of heaven? Let's just stay there for just a moment in verse 1. Do you understand that he's trying to tell us that the disciples are arguing about who's going to be great? Who's, who, who's going to be the, the top dog? Who's going to be the closest? And as some people are focused around positioning themselves. I, I, I know him and I, I'm networked with them and how many of you ever talk with somebody that just, I mean they name drop all the time. I know him, I know them, I know that. And God said, but how often are you dropping the name Jesus? How often are you lifting up the name Jesus? And that's the key thing, is that we understand that God doesn't want us arguing about our position. God is saying, he who would be first, let him be last. And that reminds me, one time this woman is cooking breakfast, and, and, and she's cooking pancakes. And she has two little sons. One's named Richard, the other's named Ryan. And Richard and Ryan are having an argument about who is going to get the first pancake as it comes out off of the griddle. And, and mom decides, this is a good teaching point here. And she said, now, if it were Jesus, Jesus would say, you have this. I, I don't have to be first, you go first. Let the first be what? Last. And so after she says that to her two sons, Richard and Ryan, Richard says to his younger brother, he says, okay, you be Jesus. <laughs> Some of you didn't get it. It went over your head. <laughs> you be Jesus. So he said, do you understand? He's still being selfish. You be Jesus, because if Jesus would say, let the other person go first, then I'm going to get the first pancake. 
Folks, if we're going to be Jesus, we're dying to ourselves. We are deferring and preferring others. We're watching out and we're looking out for one another. We're not arguing about who's going to be the greatest. We're not arguing about uh, what our position is. And oftentimes in the body of Christ, I see some of the fragmentation in the body of Christ around that. Why does he get to be an elder? Why does she get to be the head of this department or this particular ministry? Who does pastor think he is? He, you're not my daddy. You're not the boss of me. And, and we have these little silly things that the Bible is saying, you now you're being childish. That's not childlike. You, you, you're actually being childish. That's an innocent question, isn't it? It could be an innocent question that they're asking who's going to be the greatest, but it's not innocent. Because all you have to do, and I'm, we don't have time to turn there today, but I would say to you, if you want to put this together for your own uh, ability to see it unfold, you'd start back at Matthew chapter 16, and you'll realize that's when the argument starts. That's when they're starting to have this kind of mindset about who's going to be on top. You can go back and you can realize that Jesus had just tried to teach them even by himself washing their feet. Because you know what happened. They come into the house, and some of you have lived in environments where the first thing that you do when you come into the house is remove your shoes. And then it was a custom in that day that as soon as your sandals were removed, then somebody needed to wash your feet. But how many of you know that most people will say, that's for the lower class. I mean, I, that, that's, how do we say it? That's beneath me. Come on. You, you understand where I'm coming from this morning? How many of you realize that Jesus was showing there's nothing that's beneath us and the only thing that needs to be beneath us is the devil. This is why I often say to you as a pastor, there's nothing in this church that I'd like you to do that I wouldn't do. There's nothing that I'd like you to volunteer for that I wouldn't volunteer myself into. There's nothing that I wouldn't ask you to do in this church, including cleaning the restroom, that I wouldn't do. But you've got to be humble to do that. And Jesus was just that humble. You know what happened. Because they're sitting there having their little arguments about, well, you know, um, who, who says, well, I'm a doctor. <laughs> well, I'm a tax collector. Well, well, well I have my own fleet. I, I, I own a, a fishing boats. Surely I can't be the one get down on my knees and wash your feet. And Jesus said, I'll do it. And all of a sudden now, the great merchant of the, 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 the fish says, not just my feet, wash all of me. <laughs> yeah. Still kind of argumentative about what needs to be done. And see, when you are doing it heartily as unto the Lord, no matter what God asks you to do, your answer is what? Yes, Lord. 
You don't go back and say, well, God, I, I feel this is too low for me to do. This is, uh, this is beneath me. Childlike faith. We're talking about childlike faith. And, and I'm just going to try to highlight three things because I know time is it's just simply moving so fast. But I want you to understand, childlike faith, God is saying, you can't be argumentative. You can't be trying to position yourself over someone. You are humbling yourself. You are humbling yourself. Let's go through down to verse 5 out of the 18th chapter. Uh, if you could advance that to uh, verse number 2 for the sake of uh, verse number 2. We're at, we're at 3, I believe. Uh, okay, we're at 2. Then Jesus called a, a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. Again, watching the argument, watching how childish people do. And I, I've learned even from studying this lesson, some of you, if I have to have counseling session with you, I'm going to bring a little child in to try to help you to see how childish you are being in the counsel that you need to be getting. Because some of you, when I give you the counsel that concerns the word, you get jacked up about it. And you really say, I don't care. Because you're basically saying, I want to do it my way. You're not on my side, Pastor. And as I said, I'm never going to be on your side. I'm going to be on the side of the Lord. And if you're on the side of the Lord, then we're both on the right side. Amen? And, and, and so when his disciples came in and said, Surely I say unto you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And therefore... Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So here's my position. We don't need to go any further in that. Here's my position. Here's, here's the three things that I want you to get from this message. Number one, if you're going to have childlike faith, if you're going to come unto Jesus, one of the things that Jesus is saying to you and I concerning children is pay attention. Pay attention. How many of you know you can learn a lot from a child? Some of us have gotten to places in our lives we don't think we can learn from anyone. And some of us, God is trying to say, there are people who are young children in the faith. I'm not just talking age here, too. Although age will come into play in some of my illustrations. But God is talking about there are even some babes in Christ. If you just pay attention, they'll help you. They'll help you because they're coming real humble. I remember my pastor in Florida used to say, I, I, I love teaching you and your wife because you guys are like sponges. You're just sucking it all up. And some of us, we are still squeezing the sponge now. Instead of the, the things that should be saturating and flowing out of our lives, we are just squeezing and we're becoming dry because we think we know it all. We think we have somehow, because of the length of time that I've known Christ, then I know it all, and so I, I won't listen. And, and, and you've got to remain teachable. Everybody say, remain teachable. Remain. Say it out loud. Remain teachable. Remain. No matter how long you've been saved, remain teachable. Remain teachable. And pay attention. Pay attention to children. 
They can, the Bible says Jesus brought one in front of him and he said, you're going to learn something from this child. But in order to learn, you've got to be paying attention. You cannot just be saying, read the hand. I don't have time to listen to you today. I know enough. Yeah, I, I, here's one of the things that I, I still, as long as I've lived, I still don't understand people when they say, all up in my business. What business? Why are you all up in my... What business? Folks, that, that's one of the stupidest statements I've ever heard. And you get mad with people. No, no, up in my business. What business are you talking about? And see, you know what? When you get that kind of attitude, that's how you are with Jesus now. You are actually wanting to live life on your terms and not on his terms. You're all up in my business now. Pastor, you're all up in my business. I'm not trying to get in your business, folks. I got enough business to handle on my own. I do not need your business. But at the same time, I must speak what thus saith the Lord. So Jesus is watching all of this argumentative stuff and saying, this is really petty. This is really childish. So he brings that little child in front of them and says, you need to learn something from this child. One of the things I find is that Jesus had a wonderful rapport with children. Do you realize that sometimes, uh, and I've certainly experienced it at times, even for the child to come, that's significant. How many of you have asked for a little child to come and the child will they hide behind mama's skirt? They, they did. But Jesus said, come, and that child just came. Jesus has a wonderful rapport, and that's what he wants you to realize is that um, he is a God. If you'll come to him like a little child, all God wants to do is just bless you, bless you, bless you. You are, you're at Matthew 18. Why don't you skip over to the 19th chapter? Matthew 19, I want you to look at verse number 3 there. Because it, it says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them. This is where the essence of what I said Sunday about bring your children. So you have to be able to trust. And, and see, parents want their children to be near God. It's like years ago, I think it's approximately eight years ago, when the Lord began to re-indoctrinate me in a sense. Because there was a woman that we, myself included, had preached about this woman who, you remember she said, uh, I want one of my sons to sit on the left and one of my sons to sit on the right. And we took that to mean that she was being a little arrogant. That how dare she decide where she wanted her children to sit. And the Lord was dealing with me in a prayer on a Saturday night. I was praying, and he said, you guys have crucified this woman. What heaven looks at in that woman's perspective is that she wanted her children close to Jesus. How many of you want your children close to Jesus? You want your children close to Jesus. And I thank you, parents, for having your children with you. And this is what I'm saying to you. Your children can learn in this environment, too. You know, we haven't yet been able to, as it were, start back our children's church ministry on Sunday, though we will be very soon 
our offering perhaps two Sundays a month. Uh, we're looking now at that third Sunday and fourth Sunday of having children's church. But I also realize they can learn in here. They can learn in here. They learn sitting in front of Jesus. They, they can learn sitting in front of their parents. Folks, we sometimes, by default, we create things that are not necessarily needed to be created. Because we think they won't learn. I'm amazed at how times, in, even through the summer, if I asked a child would say to me things that I had preached, and I, I would think, they weren't paying attention, were they? And all of a sudden you realize, yes, they were. How many of you have seen your child do something that you did, and you didn't think they were watching? Or you didn't think that they heard you say what you heard, they, they said. And you go, where'd you get that from? And then the Holy Ghost will show from you. That's what you said. That's how you were acting. That's what you were doing. That's how you were reacting. And so, folks, you are an influencer. And you have to pay attention. And you want to pay attention to the point that you are making sure that you are what? An imitator of Christ. And that when your children are imitating you, they're imitating Christ. Because they're picking up what they are learning or becoming in their personality or their value system from you. So you will find that when Jesus was dealing with children in Matthew 19, you're there. Look down at verse 13. Then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But what happened? The disciples rebuked them. Verse 14, I love what Jesus does, though. So it's not always good to just pay attention to what they did. You need to follow up and say, well, then what did Jesus do? But Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So the disciples rebuked the children and Jesus rebuked the disciples. And this is why it's so important. I, I remember um, witnessing a situation. I was um, in the state of Alabama given an opportunity to preach down there. And this congregation was, as you might say, old. There wasn't any children in there. Anybody ever been to a church where everybody's just old and there's no children in the midst of the congregation? Everybody was old. But then there was this woman who came in the service that day. I'm witnessing this, and in tow was three little children. And I began to watch the people who hadn't been used to children <laughs> being around. And Tommy Barnett talks about this in his church down in Arizona, how people weren't used to children coming into the service, and these children came into the service. And so they began to give a whole lot of, uh, as you would say, nonverbal, communication to that mother. You all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because when the children would talk a little bit louder than they think they ought to be talking, they'd be looking at her like, why don't you get them children to behave? How many of you know every now and then the child might get up a little bit, might prance around a little bit, and people be looking with that look? And so <laughs> I remember being in the church, and I still laugh at the pastor because he was, 
he was doing what perhaps I was doing earlier, giving a kind of preliminary introduction, and he was going to be introducing me. And the lady, after one of her children got uh, a little bit louder, she decided that she would take the child outside. And some people were like, yay, you know, not outward, but inwardly, like, yay. And so I think the pastor started to feel a little bad because he had watched and he had known that there hadn't been children in that congregation in a while. And he said to her, he says, ma'am, um, you don't have to take your child out. He says, uh, that won't bother me in my speaking or my preaching. And the lady looked at him and she says, um, um, uh, he says, but your preaching and your teaching is bothering my baby. <laughs> so sometimes you might want to get a good perspective. Sometimes people feel like you're the problem. And um, this is an a, a opportunity when children are among us to bring them near to us. Uh, the Bible says that when it comes to children, there is a training process that has to take place. How many of you know the scripture? Train a child in the way that they should go. How many of you, how many of you have ever been trained in some area in your life? You don't get it right away, do you? You don't get it right away. And this is why God is telling you, uh, as a, if you're going to be childlike in the face of God, you've got to learn how to be patient. I'm too old to be patient. Well, uh, ask God to renew something in you, help you to be patient, to allow you to remember when you were, when your children were. We had, uh, I'm talking about you, Leroy, if you're watching. You all remember our friend Leroy who came on the 25th anniversary, sang a beautiful song. And, and Leroy, we call him our first son, though he was well in his 20s when he came to live with Sister Pat and I in Florida. Um, we used to laugh at Levar because uh, we had a really good friend who's gone home on the view of the Lord as well. And they had children. They had three children. They had two little girls and a little boy. And um, we always would say, and Leroy, I'm talking about you, <laughs> we would always say Leroy's eyes would tell everything. And those of you who were around him just a few moments uh, when he was here from Florida visiting, you could tell that he has a way of just communicating just with his eyes. And his eyes would look at Henry and Jewel and their little children running around, like, get a hold of those children. <laughs> and, and one day he had enough nerve to, to, to say this. He, he had enough boldness, I should say, to say this. He said, uh, uh, at least Henry said it to him, when you get married and you have a child, I hope you will be able to um, experience what I'm experiencing today with my child just kind of being a little loud, being a little active. And so he did. Now, his son is fully grown, married. Matter of fact, they're getting ready to be grandparents uh, now. But they had a little son named Matthew. And boy, Matthew was 10 times more active <laughs> than Henry's children. And Henry would look at Leroy <laughs> and just smile. How I many of you know, sometimes you have to be able to remember when. Don't be judgmental. You were probably like that. Your children were probably like that. So don't judge other people. You know, one, one of the things that God is saying, when you pay attention, make sure you pay attention and allow yourself to look back over your own life. How many of you know you've come out of some stuff? 
as, as my mama would say, some of you all were a little too hot to handle in your day. And if somebody was able to play the video of your life, uh, you'd probably try to hide up under the chair in terms of how you used to be. And God is saying, I don't want you to dwell there, but I do want you to be able to remember from whence you've come. You didn't always, you weren't always, as it were, the holy person that you are today. Okay? So be mindful of other people who are just coming in. Be you know, look, when you think about children, how many of you had, I, I can only ask this to the ladies in here who have had children, how many of you had uh, labor birth, uh, 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 birth pains that were over an hour? Raise your hand. Your birth pains were over an hour. Over two hours. Over three hours. Four. I don't even want to go any further because I'm feeling pain now. And so when, you, when your child came in, they brought perhaps pain to you. But the moment that you saw them, the moment that you held them, what happened? You didn't think about no pain. All you could have was what? Joy. Joy. And that was pain for our Father in Heaven when we were sinners. There was much pain for Almighty God when we lived in sin. But when we came out, come on, John 3.16, you know it, don't you? And God loved us. He loved us when we were sinners. How many of you know that God loves the sinner just as much as he loves you as a Christian? There's no distinction in that. It's just that you need to be saved in order to live this life eternally with him. But God loves a sinner just as much as he loves a saint. There's no distinction there. Somebody that went out and, as we would say, wallowed in the mud last night, God loved them just as much as he loved me. But he doesn't love what they were doing. See, when your child came in, they couldn't do anything for themselves. They couldn't say anything on their behalf. I mean, you did everything. Parents, are, you, you understand what I'm saying? You did what? Everything. They couldn't even clean themselves. They couldn't even feed themselves. You did everything. How many of you know that when you were a sinner, God was doing everything to keep you alive? God was doing everything. You thought you had it going on, but God was saying, man, they made another mess. They squeezed the skunk one more time. They're stinking up the joint, but you know what? You clean it up. And that's what God has done in our lives. And he's saying, don't forget that when you're dealing with other individuals. Here's the second thing. I, I can uh, probably preach a message on why it's so important to pay attention. But here's the second thing when it comes to children. Uh, and, and, and that is, God wants you not only just to be like children or come to him like children, he wants you to imitate them. What is it that you're imitating about a child? What would an adult be doing imitating a child? Here's why. It's humility. It's humility. What God is basically saying, a child, when it's childlike, they come to you in humility. They come to you in humility. And for me, when I started to think about humility, we know we see it in scriptures all the time, like this 
particular scripture here, if my people who are called by my name would do what? Humble themselves. But what is what does what does humility? What is what is God trying to say? Remember they were arguing? And what are they arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And God is trying to show them you need to learn how to be what? Humble? You, 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 I, for some of you, you don't realize that I actually love the end of the service, especially when I see these kids intermingling with each other. I love summer camp, especially when I see kids intermingling with each other. I love to see kids on playgrounds because I realize they don't have all of the hang-ups and the hiccups and all of the stuff that grown-ups have. They don't care if the child is black or white or red or yellow. Let's just play. I like watching children sitting on the second row, watching the child sitting on the first row. Because you know what they're doing? They're making some kind of connection that we're going to play. I watch, like watching these two little girls down here. Uh, one came from back there, one came from over there, and they sat with Miss Pat, but ultimately, they got with each other. And God is saying, I want people who will just realize that I'm trying to get people together. And in order to get people together, you're going to have to be humble. In order to be a rainbow of humanity where red and yellow, black and white, or become precious in your sight, because there's never been a question whether they were precious in God's sight. John 3.16 showed us right then and there that God loves the whole world. It's real important for you to realize that as I was praying this morning, I said, Lord, help people not to forget Haiti. It's been two weeks. They're barely on the news anymore. And you love the people from Haiti just as much as you love the people from Afghanistan. And this is not a downplay of people in Afghanistan. But their pain is just as great and just as real as the people's pain in Afghanistan. And so God loves people in Haiti. God loves people in Afghanistan. God loves people everywhere. And when you're humble, you love people. And, and, and you try to help people no matter who they are, where they're from, what color they are, how much hair they have oh, or don't have. You love people whether they're old or young. You know, this is why sometimes I have a problem with people saying, well, I, I just want to have a church for young people. So you're discarding the old. This is why I say sometimes unintentionally we segregate ourselves when in fact God is saying, but I'm trying to bring you together. And folks, I like children's ministry, but sometimes I have to stop and God's saying, my ministry is to all people. And I can do it in one place at one time. And Jesus brought the little children right up to him, right in the midst of all of the grown people. Sometimes we establish what we call youth ministry. We won't find it in the Bible, but we establish it. I've done it. And but sometimes in establishing that, we establish separation. We, we establish what we don't intend to establish. We establish the fact that they're old and we are young and they don't have a clue. And we as old people start to say they don't have a clue. And all of a sudden we're divided. You know those people from Africa. What do you mean those people? Those people from 
And, and, and I can put any country there. You understand what I'm saying? But what do you mean, those people? They're God's people. And God wants you to start seeing them from his eyes. And this is what children do. When you put children together, I don't care what country the child is from. I guarantee you, when uh, the placement of children from Afghanistan happens in this country, children won't be looking at them and saying, you're from here or from there. Every now and then you get a, a child who has been trained or conditioned to be uh, segregated or bigotry. But if you keep all of that kind of craziness and teaching from them, these children will just love each other. And God is saying, I need you to come to me like a little child. And little children come humble. Two aspects of humility, if I can give them to you real quick. The two aspects of humility for me is that one is an attitude, the other is an action. These two, these two attributes of humility, number one, here's the, it's called attitude. And here's the attitude, Philippians, if you find for me a little bit really quick, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It's an attitude. If you're going to be humble, there's an attitude that you bring with humility. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it says, there's, let nothing be done through what? Selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And the next verse says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's what humility, that's the action of humility. It's not just about you. Some of you, I know you get tired of us sending emails and saying, come and help us volunteer and serve people out there in the community. And yesterday was one of those, whew, backed up beyond IHOP. But I was so thankful that we did have some people who volunteered and did not think it was robbery to come and serve other people. And, 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 and the Bible says, that's what you've got to think. And, and folks, you can't just say every other Saturday you're busy. You, you can't say, well, I got little children. You know what? You who have little children, then you know what it would be good? You would come and say, you know what? I will be the person that will manage nursery today or child care today so that those with children can go and be on, as we would say, the front line helping others. And so then we won't be able to say, I couldn't. How many of you know that you know, when the Lord comes back, he's going to try your works? And he says, some of it is going to be like, hey, when the fire is put to it, it's going to burn up. Anybody ever seen hay and, and a match, a lit match? It burns up real quick. And God's going to say, that's how that excuse measures with God. And folks, the year is almost over with. And some of you haven't volunteered not once. You haven't really seen others. Your mindset has been just you. Your Saturday. Your time. And God is saying, but that's not like a child. I love the fact that children, how many of you notice that children like to work? 
There are times where I notice that uh, your parents, when you're cleaning and, and the child wants to help you clean, when, when, when you're trying to wash dishes, they want to help you wash the dishes. Now, you have to work on that because when they get older, <laughs> when they get older, I can remember, uh, you all know that it's therapeutic for me to uh, do a little landscaping and flowers, and I, I love them every morning. Even here, I'm watering and fertilizing, and, and I, I love landscaping in my, my yard. And I can remember my neighbor's little son. Every time I pulled the lawnmower out, boy, he come dashing out the house because he wanted to help. And he wasn't even, his little arms wasn't even big enough, you know, pushing the lawnmower, wasn't even big enough to touch the handle. But I would put him right in there in a safety position and just let him walk with me. And even before his little arms could reach up, I went to what was then called Toys or Us, and I bought him a lawnmower. It just made bubbles, though. <laughs> he would just walk, and he'd be cutting along with me. But you're teaching him. You're practicing. You're doing things. You're imitating. And children love to work. They love to work. And so, folks, you don't want to lose that in your journey as a child of God. I, I believe that some of you, when you first got saved, nobody could really stop you. You were on the move. Why do you think the Bible would make this mention that some of us need to return to what? Your first love. And I guarantee you, when you go back to your first love, you were serving. You had a servant's heart. Isn't, you weren't arguing about who's going to be the greatest. See, that's people that said, I want to be a leader, but they don't want to be a servant. And everything that the Bible teaches is servant leader, servant leader, not lead and not serve, but serve. And from the position of serving is how you lead. And children love to serve. I've not found one yet. I laugh sometimes on Saturdays when we are up here and I, I see her there and I want to call her name because she would probably say, what is pastor talking about? But she'll come in and she'll say, I want to help. I want to help. And there are sometimes, um, Brother Keith, you would take her, and uh, Miss Pat would take her, and you'd just let her work right alongside of you. Some of you grandparents, it would be okay if you brought your little children. But they'd just stay with you and work right beside you. My father loved farming. I had just a tad bit love for it. But what I loved was just kind of trying to walk in his footsteps. If you know anything about farming, especially after you just plowed the land, it's really soft. As soon as you put your foot down, it leaves a print. And I can remember, I always wanted to be with my dad, but his prints, his footprint, the space between them was large. But one day you realize that if you keep following, you can actually make the same kind of steps. And then if you just kind of stay beside them for a long period of time, you realize that your steps now get larger than their steps. Because I could realize that as my father got well up in his age, in his 80s and so forth, his steps now that I would see in the soil, because he still loved working in the soil, would not be so wide anymore. Matter of fact, I found myself having to slow down because my steps were now wide. And so this is... You know, I, I was thinking, and, and Whitney, I'm going to call you out 
from that perspective. And I was just watching you here, Whitney, sing this morning. I was watching you worship. I was watching Sarah worship this morning. And I said, Lord, these were just children when I met them. Sarah, you were probably 12 years old. Whitney, when I first met you, I used to joke with you a lot because Whitney liked to, she was hair color. And I would guess what color your hair was going to be each Sunday. But this is what I believe that God looks at is that when you were young, were you tracking with God? When you get older, are you still tracking with God? And I believe that he's speaking to us that it starts when you're a child. It has to start, and you have to maintain that sense of, I need to be childlike. I lied this morning. Oh, Matthew, I, I didn't even see him. I, I, I came from back there in the, the green room, and I stood right here, and he just came running up. Hey, Pastor. Oh, it did my heart good. Because I envisioned seeing Matthew. He's grown. I renamed Robert. Blanca, I renamed Robert when the first time I met him. Robert, I met you when you were 10. You were just small. And I started renaming him right away. What did I call you? Peter. And he would say, my name's Robert. No, it's not. It's Peter. Why? Just like Jesus speaking to Peter, because you're going to be a rock. You're going to be solid. Your daughters are going to be able to know that you are a solid man of God. That anything and everything that your family would ever go to, you went to God before you went anywhere else. And I still see it today. Peter. <laughs> and we're supposed to see this on your children. This is why paying attention, imitating children, Here's the third point, and I'll finish, and I need to lay hands on children. The third point, protect them. Protect them. And that's why sometimes, you know, we, 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 it's called counsel. And I always say to, to you as, as, as believers, don't get to the point where you get to start to be afraid to come and sit down and talk to me as a pastor. I always say to you, you need to have a checkup. How many of you realize that People who do check up with their cars, their cars last much longer. And, and people who don't do that check up, you see that little amber light saying, check engine, something is malfunctioning. Folks, you all need spiritual tune up. Say, Pastor, can you do it on, all on your own? No. Sometimes I'm going to need to refer you to other people. This is why uh, home sales, this is why elders, this is why, uh, as we would call them sometimes, department heads are in the church. And, and sometimes it's not just, just going to be your one-on-one -on -one with me, but you need to be open to having a checkup. How many of you realize that sometimes when you take your vehicle in for a checkup, what you thought you were taking it in for, they come back with a list? I know you'd be thinking <laughs> where they come up with all this stuff. But some of that stuff is absolutely necessary. But it's being, sometimes you don't know you're neglecting it. 
You don't know that you need this. You don't know that it's wearing out or you're wearing out in a particular area and you need to be refreshed and renewed in that area. And so in this church, in Rainbow Family Christian Center, I do encourage people, schedule time to sit down and just have counsel. Just say, this is my, my checkup. Deborah Clark, I see you back there. And, and she was one of, perhaps one of the first people that used to do that. You know you need a checkup. I mean, literally, Deborah would call into the office and say, uh, what's the reason for, for, for the appointment? I just need to check up with Pastor. It's kind of like, um, you all remember Rodney Caldwell, don't you? And, and, and Rodney's little boy, uh, when he was going to school here in the academy phase, uh, and, and um, one time, I think it was Valencia who called me and said, Pastor, you really need to come, because he was just having a little, you know, when we say kids are having a, a bad moment. They're, 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 they're having a little tantrum, won't listen to the teacher. Um, pastor has a disposition. I was laughing. Somebody has really picked up one of my ways because they realized that when I raise my eyebrows, pastor is shifting into a different mode. And so I came and I said to him, um, we need to go in and sit at the altar. And we did. We left the classroom. We came right here. I detached two of these chairs, and we sat at the altar, and we talked about how God would do it. This is where many times the Lord has taught me the better place to have counseling with members is here at the altar rather than in my office. So your office is where you do business and administration, but when you're doing the spiritual development of a person, counsel them right at the altar. And so when we came in, we talked, he repented, we prayed, he went back into the classroom, and I laughed, this was probably now maybe two months later, and he was having a similar experience, you know, the little tantrum experience, and it was so funny, because he said to the teacher, just go get pastor, I need to go to the altar. <laughs> Let's go get pastor. I need to go to the altar. And I'm glad when at that age they know when they're out of line and they need to go to the altar. But see, sometimes when we get to be our age, we don't think we need any more altar time. We don't think we need any more counsel time. We don't think we need any of that. And, and, and the Bible says there is safety in the multitude of counsel. I'm not talking about being drama king and drama queen. But I'm talking about genuinely saying, I want to live like God wants me to live. And I'm missing it in an area. I'm struggling in an area. And you don't need to bounce around everybody in the church. Sometimes you just need to come and say, Pastor, and, and, and sometimes I'm going to tell you, you don't need that. I'm, I'm going to give you scripture sometimes. I'm going to give you a book sometimes. I'm going to give you a, another person sometimes. But... I'm going to give you something that will help you to be and walk in childlike faith. If you brought your children this morning for prayer, I want you to come, and um, parents, I want you to just stand right behind your child. We won't need any ushers to do this. We need parents to do this. And I said, I want you to bring your child to the altar, and I want you to stand right behind them. Miss Pat, I want you to come and help me to minister 
uh, Minister Faith, I want you to help me come and minister. Minister uh, Felicia, I want you to come and help me minister. Uh, I'm asking Sister Faith to come because she leads our Rainbow Academy. I'm asking Sister Felicia because she leads our children's church ministry on Sunday. And I'm asking Miss Pat, and I, I don't think I even have to explain Miss Pat because uh, just about every child that comes here starts to come to the front seat and want to sit with her. And God wants to, us to pray. So uh, Felicia, Faith, Miss Pat, I want you to come up onto this area. And parents, I'm going to um, we're just going to pray, and then we're going to probably ask you to, um, to step away unless there is something more that the Holy Ghost wants to do. Faith, where are you? Uh, I want you to come up here on the podium. And parents, uh, one at a time, I'm going to have you to, to come. And uh, I know, Miss Faith, you're going to want your kids to be prayed for. Sister Lee, if you don't mind, just uh, with Elijah and Ezekiel for a while and let Mommy minister. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I'm going to ask from here, here, just come as close as you can. Put your feet right at the edge there. Okay, you just wait for just a second. Just here, here, come on up. Come on up. You come on up. You come on up. You come on up. And you just wait. We're going to get to the rest of them. Now, Father, you told me to lay hands, and I'm going to ask each one of these ministers to just come right behind me and lay hands on these children. And Father, we're just praying your blessing over them. We know they're about to go into an environment, Father God, where they will be mingling among other children and adults. And But we just thank you for your surrounding them with your favor like a shield. We thank you, Lord. Uh, just like the scripture said, they came, they brought their children, and he laid hands on them. Father, I thank you for these parents who are bringing their children, and we're laying hands on them, and we're praying a hedge of protection over their lives, that the kingdom of God has come, that the will of God is being done over them in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you. We honor you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. And so as that last person has prayed over them, we'll ask that parent and that child to be seated again. Hallelujah. At the end of this service, we do have some school supplies, uh, it's a limited amount, but if you have need or your child has need of some school supplies, it will be uh, issued out of our what we call workstation, and all you need to do is just go down there. There will be somebody there that will be issuing the supplies that we do have. So if you have need of that, we have crayons, we have a lot of spiral notebooks, so that can save you from going to whatever uh, organization and having to spend money for that. Amen. We need you guys to move a little bit faster. Hallelujah. Come on, bring your family up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 12-15, I'm going to be praying with you. I'll be right here praying for you. I know you're going to have an operative procedure. This is scheduled for about 12-15. Just know pastor is going to be right there thinking about you, praying for you, and it will be well. And Father, I just thank you, not only for her, but for each one of these children, these girls, this young man, I thank you for the spirit of the Lord on them. I thank you for your hedge of protection over them. I thank you for surrounding them with your favor like a shield. I thank you for helping them to excel and do exceeding and great things, Father God, because you have great things, great things that you want to do in and through this family and your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' precious name. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Double portion, I like to call these two. I know they're twins, but I call it the double portion of the anointing. And Father, I thank you for the double portion of anointing and on their young brother. I thank you, Father, that as they go into the various school environments and other social environments, that the favor of God and the surrounding favor of God is on them and the kingdom is come and the will of God is being done in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank you. We thank you for this family and we thank you, Father, for just your favor over them, your blessings over them. Come upon them and overtake them. Goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their life and they continually dwell in the house of the Lord. We thank you, Father God, and whatever uh, school environment or care facility that they're in, they are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against them will ever be able to prosper. Thank you, Father, for giving them wise, wise counsel even beyond their years. I pray for what you did over Daniel that you will do with them, Lord, and your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, families. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. We'll let them, them come, and then we'll get you right in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I remember when you were a baby, praying now over your babies, and that the hand of God and the plan of God will be revealed to them, that the word of God will be nigh them, even in their mouth, and that they would just hear God. They would know God. They would bless God. They would exalt God over this family. Yeah, but I need you guys to do the same thing. So thank you, Lord, for surrounding them with your favor like a shield. In Jesus' name. Stay right there. They're going to come and just pray over you as well. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Ushers, just always rotate down on this end. Okay. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I like your suit, man. I started to wear my blue one like that, too. Um, but you look handsome. Hey, Bella. How are you? Hi, Juliet. How are you? Good. Hey, Maddie. How you doing? My foot <laughs> Your foot hurt? Let me see that foot. Come here. Come here. All right. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, wherever there's been pain, wherever there's been discomfort, I command it to go now in Jesus' name, that she should run, that she should walk without any impediment. I thank you, Lord God, that whatever was ailing has ceased even now, and that by your stripes, she's totally and completely healed. I thank you now that when they go into their care facilities and educational facilities, nothing but the blood of Jesus and the word of God be nigh them, even in their mouth, and may they win their classmates and friends to the Lord Jesus Christ, because they will never cease to glorify him. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay right here. The other ladies are going to come and pray over there. So you stay right here. Hallelujah. Hi, girls. Well, Father, I thank you for Gemma. I thank you for Eden. I thank you for their parents. One on the way. And I thank you in Jesus' precious name for just your hedge of protection over them and for your Holy Spirit direction for them. I thank you that wherever they are in school or in care facilities, that they are always cared. Lord, your word says that the heavenly angels always are reporting back to God about our children. And I thank you that the angels of God are surrounding them and encamping.
about now. And no weapon formed will ever prosper against him. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, fellas. How are you? God bless you. You're tall as men. <laughs> well, Father, I thank you for these young men. I thank you for the hand of God and the plan of God being revealed to them at a very early age. I thank you that they will be blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, whatever they put their hands to, bless. And I thank you that there will always be a blessing and a source of direction for their parents. Father, I thank you because they love God so much. They are hearing God so much. They'll be able to speak to mom and dad about the things of God. And Lord, your word says a little child shall lead them. I thank you for the assignment that are on these young men's lives. And I thank you that it will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come right here. Hey, Ziggy. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Lodge? Yeah, you got your truck and your lion now. <laughs> well, Father, I thank you for Elijah. I thank you for Ezekiel. I thank you for Delane. I thank you for Faith. I thank you for those things that you have in store for them. And, Father, thank you that your kingdom has come and only your will is being done. Thank you for your hedge of protection over them. Thank you for Holy Ghost direction for them. Holy Spirit inspired in whatever they do, they're hearing your voice and the voice of a stranger they do not follow. In Jesus' name. How you doing, King? Good, man. Father, we thank you. He just got the right name. He's the king. And I thank you that he will always know the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They will bless the Lord at all times and the praises of God will continually be in this child's mouth. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we are finishing up praying for the children, if you are an educator, as soon as the children are prayed for, I want all educators, you are a teacher or a principal or superintendent, you work in a child care facility, Wherever you are caring for children, those who are caring for children, I need to pray over you too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father, leading, guiding, and directing this family, these children, Father, who will not just lean to their own understanding, but acknowledge you in all of their ways. You should direct that path. I thank you that that path gets brighter and brighter and brighter as the noonday. I thank you. You're one of my helpers too, buddy. And I just thank you, Lord, for the help that you're sending, for the direction that you're sending, and for surrounding, surrounding them with your favor like a shield. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Stay there. They're going to come and pray for you. Hallelujah. Educators, if you're educators, I want you to come. Start right here on this side for me. Hallelujah. You work in care facilities. You are people who work with children on a daily basis. And as this season now is beginning, you are... Father, I thank you. They'll never have to be afraid of the terror by night or anything that comes during the course of their day because this is the day that you have made. They are rejoicing and being glad in it. And I thank you, Father, for surrounding them with your favor like a shield. Thank you that they will be a source of comfort and strength to that child, that the stress and the pressure that children have been under for these many months, they'll not be under that pressure or that stress because of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. I thank you that they'll hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. I thank you that they will be able to help multitudes upon multitudes of families, 
parents as well as children, Father, because of the peace of God on their life, the direction of God for their life. I thank you that they'll hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. I thank you that every day they'll get up and get spiritually dressed, putting on the whole armor of God and walking not in the flesh but in the spirit, and they will not fulfill or uh, help others who might be in the flesh. They'll be able to help them to come over to the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Father, for favor divine favor, divine protection over these teachers. Thank you, Father God, that when they go into the classroom, Father, that the children gravitate to them, that they listen to them, that they hear them, that they respond readily to them. And thank you, Father, that they'll have no uh, 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 controversy, they'll have no threats, they'll have no, uh, I don't know why this is coming up for you two, uh, they have no lawsuits. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's nothing but Jesus. In him you live, in him you move, and you're going to help others, especially your students and the parents, to move closer to Jesus through the position that God is placing both of you in this year. In Jesus' precious name. Father, I thank you for these who have uh, willingly and voluntarily oftentimes come to work with children and that they're not afraid to be in person with a child, that they're not looking for some legal or federal uh, legislation or direction. They're looking for the direction of your Holy Spirit, and they're following the direction of your Holy Spirit. And your kingdom come, and your will is being done for each one in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that as they go into these capacities of leading and speaking into children's lives, Father, that you will speak into their lives and that they hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. And I thank you that they will be blessed. This will be one of their greatest years, a blessed year, serving the Lord with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their strength. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for the fresh wind and fresh fire that you're giving to my sister as she works with children. This prayer now is for people that are going to be working with children. You're going to be in an education facility with children. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're directing. We thank you for what you're inspiring. Uh, Rose, I just see books. I, you're surrounded with books, and I see you writing them, not just reading them. You're writing them. And there's something that you've got to write this year. It's just something you got to write. I don't know. I, I, the Lord just stopped me right in the middle of my prayer and said, just tell them to start writing. There's something that will, is a vision that he's giving you. And when you write it, others are going to be able to run with you because you're going to make it plain. And it'll help children. Does this make any sense to you? I'll let you know. <laughs> Get the writing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I thank you for your patience as a congregation. I'm going to take this off just a minute. I want to remind uh, the parents who have your children here with you if you... We have uh, some school supplies. We don't have a massive amount, but we do have some 
especially in the area of spiral notebooks and pencils and pens and that type of thing. And we're going to have a person down in our workstation issuing those out to anyone who desires them, especially these kids who have come forward. And we know they're going to be going back into the classroom setting. We invite you to come down and let us um, share with you what's been shared with us. Um, lift your hands toward heaven. Father, we were blessed coming in, and I thank you that we are likewise blessed going out. And we're going, going out, Father God, uh, reminding ourselves that daily we need to be praying for our children. And I know in Montgomery County, this will, tomorrow will be the first day of school. And we thank you that it will be a blessed day in school, that it will be blessed. Our children will be blessed going in. It will be blessed. Father, we pray for those who um, serve children in transportation. And I ask you to forgive me, those of you who drive the school buses and et cetera. God is blessing you as you go and pick these children up and transport them to the place that they need to be. And Father, we thank you for safety for our children this year. Uh, we were horrified by hearing of shootings at football games on Friday night. But Father, we thank you all of these things will be far, 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 far from our high schools, far from our middle school, far from our elementary school. And Father, we just thank you for the plan of God and the hand of God being over our children and being over our lives. And we give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and we put our total trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.